Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. So what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends. How are you doing this week? Here from my home in New Hampshire, I am recording this at the end of a long, cold winter day that's been very indoorsy. And I've got a bunch of boys at home right now who are feeling kind of antsy and a little bit noisy. So I'm just going to apologize in advance if um, any of that noise kind of seeps through the background here. I can only control so much and it's still cold outside and I love you guys, but I'm not going to go out in my car like I sometimes resort to doing for radio interviews or for recording podcasts and that kind of thing. It's a nice quiet place where people don't bother me, but right now it's cold and it's dark and I love you guys, but I'm going to do this inside. Anyway, before we get started, I just wanted to share with you a little something going on in my world. I need to brag a little bit. I had a motherly milestone this past week when my youngest, Danny, got up in the morning um, earlier this week, maybe five days ago. He got up before I did, okay, and was in the shower before I even got up. Now, this might not be great news to any of you, but to me, it was a huge milestone because I was realizing in that moment that I had really come to a place in my parenting that I was no longer responsible for anybody else's hygiene, (laughs) except maybe occasionally telling someone to take a shower, I realized I don't actually do that anymore. And after years, and you know this if you're in it right now, you know this if you've experienced it in your own parenting, of hands-on, the giving of baths, the supervising of showers, the making sure they actually use shampoo in there, I feel like I've really come to a new place and it feels lovely. It's very freeing. It was a great moment and I just wanted to bask in that a little bit. So feel free to congratulate me. Feel free to send cards or whatever you think is appropriate for um, my hygiene independence, I'm going to call that. (laughs) But anyway, that's not the topic this week. This week, we're talking about meal planning made easy. And now that title sorry, it's kind of a lie. Because I actually don't think you can make meal planning easy. It's not something that comes easy to me. The idea behind what I'm going to share today is hopefully something that can make meal planning easier, I'm hoping. It's going to share some ideas that have helped me to meal plan in my own life. It's something I've struggled with on and off. You know, I've been married, running a household for over 21 years, and I still feel like I struggle with this. So I'm going to be sharing some thoughts about that. You know, like I said, it's not something that I think we ever get down perfectly. Some people, I think it comes more naturally to other than to others. And that's okay. I mean, that's why we're sharing here to kind of support and encourage each other to reassure each other that we all have these same struggles. And meal planning is definitely a struggle that I hear from moms about all the time. It's something I think that's pretty common because whether you're a stay-at-home mom or you work outside the home, Generally, we women are the ones that are in charge of meals and everybody needs to eat. It's the most annoying fact of life. Everybody needs to eat multiple times a day. And sometimes I'm overwhelmed by that responsibility. And, you know, growing up, I was one of nine children. And I remember my own mom asking me, what do you want for dinner? And 
I didn't really have an answer. I remember she became so frustrated with me and she just said, you know, do you know how hard it is trying to come up with these ideas week after week and month after month, year after year? I need some fresh ideas. And I remember at the time trying to wrap my brain around that and I didn't quite get it. I was probably like 12 or something at the time. But mom, I totally get it now. And sorry, I should have been more inspirational. But there are lots of reasons why meal planning is a good idea, because I think we've all done it the other way where you're winging it and flying by the seat of your pants and we know what happens then. I mean, it's a, you're a frazzled mess by the end of the day when everyone's hungry and asking you what there is to eat. So with planning ahead a little bit, there's a lot of benefit there. There's the benefit of being able to plan ahead a little bit and have an easy meal ready on a day that you know is going to be busy. Just the idea that you get up in the morning and you know what's for dinner that night, you could maybe prep a little bit ahead of time. You could have you know, when you have a few minutes, spare moments in the in the morning or in the early afternoon, you could chop the vegetables or marinate the meat or just, just knowing ahead of time what you're going to be doing. There's a lot of benefit to doing that. Also, I found that I spend a lot less money at the grocery store when I plan ahead and when I have meals planned ahead, simply because I end up going to the grocery store less. And that way, I'm, you know, less opportunity to have impulse buys, buying the junk food you don't want to be buying anyway which is the other reason why it's a good idea to meal plan, because you can plan your nutrition. You can actually plan the kinds of meals you want to be making and eating and preparing for your family. So you get that kind of balance in your life. So we all know there's a lot of reasons to do it. I'm just going to go through here and share some ideas for ways to make it easier to plan meals for your family. The first thing I want to recommend is you need to commit to it. So commit. It's not just going to happen. Sorry, I know. I've tried it. I've tried sitting around and waiting for meal planning to naturally, spontaneously happen in my life, and that didn't work. I mean, it seems so simple. And, you know, I just shared a bunch of ways that it's really beneficial to meal plan. But it's one of those things where we have a mental block sometimes where we just can't quite make ourselves get there and do it and make that commitment to doing it on a regular basis. Meal planning is just one of those things. And it's one of those things I find that it's really important to pay attention to because kind of like the laundry, when that falls apart, a lot of other things in our home life seems to fall apart, that there's a lot of other things that become affected by it, the overall mood and the feel of the family, the way you feel about the way the household is being run including, I find, the time that we spend around the dinner table as a family. If I have meals planned and I'm making recipes, you better believe me, I'm going to make everybody get their butts in the chairs and sit down for a family meal to enjoy it together. But if I'm just kind of throwing something together and I'm not going to care so much if people just grab it or eat a plate in front of the TV and people eat at different times. So there's that commitment, that level of commitment that we need to make if we're going to be successful in trying to plan meals. So you got you to gotta wrap your brain around that. You got to commit to the idea. Remind yourself of all the reasons why you want to be doing it. Remind yourself why it's important. And then commit to making this a part of what you're going to be doing on a regular basis in your home. The second tip I have is to start small. You know, planning seven nights of meals for your family is overwhelming. I mean, for me, it is for sure. And I think that, you know, one of the ways we can convince ourselves to do this is to start small. Seven nights is for rock stars. If you're do, doing meal planning for seven nights, and I know some moms who do it for months at a time, they're crazy and they are superstars. They are rock stars. Hats off to you. But I'm here to help people who are struggling with this. And so 
the important thing is to start small. And that might mean planning two or three meals. It might mean planning three or four meals plus one night of leftovers or something like that, that just kind of makes it less of an obstacle, a mental obstacle for you to get over to get to that goal you have of regularly planning meals. So I know I've done this. I've done seven nights. And when I do plan seven meals, seven dinners, I end up, the the plan kind of falls apart by the end of the week anyway. Things get shifted around. So really just using three or four, planning three or four meals at a time is very manageable for me. That's something that I, I feel like I can do. I'll plan three or four meals and then plan also a night of leftovers. Speaking of leftovers, do you plan leftovers? Because that's a great way to save money. It's a great way to not waste food. I found that if I don't plan leftovers, then I forget they're even in the fridge and I don't make people eat them. And sometimes it's just easier to whip up something new that you know people are going to be pleased with and eat than enforce the fact that we have food that's nutritious and good for them to eat that they can totally have for dinner some nights. And I find that having a leftover night worked into my schedule of meals is very helpful sometimes. You know, if you have a night where you have three different basketball games, like sometimes happens here in our lives, or whatever it is you've got going on. If you're going to be out of town, um, I sometimes have to travel for my work. And it's really helpful for me to plan those leftovers. I'll make something extra big, extra large, and then have those leftovers ready to go for my family the next day when I'm not going to be there to put it all together. This is something that's hard for larger families because I found it's hard to cook too much food because you're already cooking really large quantities every night. But what I used to try and do and was successful with earlier when I had fewer children, smaller children, was I would make something double. Like if you're going to make a pan of lasagna, I would make two of them. And then I'd have leftovers that you could either put in the freezer or you could plan to have in a couple of days. Now I make two pans of lasagna and that's just dinner. So it's a little bit frustrating. I'm not quite ready to commit to making four pans of lasagna at a time or even three pans at a time. So, you know, I think pay attention to the stage in life where you're at and and make a goal that's reasonable for you with regard to planning leftovers there's going to come a day where I'm not going to be cooking for so many people and then I'll have to adjust again. I know many moms who after their kids leave the home, they struggle with making less food. So there's always that kind of adjustment factor and keeping in mind that your family life changes and the the nutritional needs of your family are going to change. Then having that in mind and being flexible about it will be really helpful for you. So start small. Set a small goal for yourself. If you've never planned a meal before in your life, if you've never made this a regular thing, just plan a couple of meals at a time and see how that works. And then you'll get that positive feedback from yourself because it feels good having that plan. It feels good when your your family recognizes and appreciates the fact that there's actually some plan for dinner, you know. Speaking of my own struggles with this, just tonight, my 17-year-old son was out and he called home to check with me if I had a plan for dinner because if I didn't he was going to get some food while he was out and I thought to myself shoot I guess I haven't been so great about this recently because why is he thinking to make that phone call it's because I haven't been so consistent with planning meals he wanted to know if he was going to come home and there wasn't going to be much food or much of a plan for dinner so really it's a gift we give to ourselves and it's a gift we give to our families The third tip I want to share with you is to get inspired. Inspire yourself. 
You could do like my mom did all those years ago and ask your family. I sometimes find they completely draw blanks just like I did when I was a kid. And, you know, my family enjoys all kinds of foods, but if you ask them on the moment, like, what do you want for dinner? Oftentimes they don't have any idea what to say. So you might have to find some recipes online. You might have a favorite cookbook that you like to look through, maybe a few that you haven't picked up in years. Go back through and remind yourself of what recipes you used to make and you used to enjoy. And you, so you can do that online. You could maybe, if you're really looking for inspiration, you could purchase a cookbook. You could ask a friend for, you know, ideas for what kinds of things they make for their family and their family enjoys. Something I did years ago that was fun for a short while, but it didn't last too long. But the short while that it lasted was fun. Um, with one of my sisters, we kind of shared meal planning. And between the two of us, we would each plan three meals uh, three recipes, pick three that we were going to try. Two would be ones that we knew and were familiar with and we knew our families would like, and then one new one each week. So my sister would pick three, I would pick three, and then we'd share them and then decide you know, individually which days we were going to make which meals. And um, that was a really fun way to kind of be trying recipes together, to be interacting with my sister in a fun way, just sharing ideas and getting inspired because sometimes we just feel so like, oh, dinner, you know, got to make it again. I have no idea what anybody even likes to eat anymore. Or you get in a rut and you make the same three things over and over again. So that was a helpful way for me to get some different ideas worked into my meal planning, to interact with my sister, to not feel so alone in the meal planning, that it wasn't just my responsibility, we were kind of sharing it together. And then sharing with each other what worked, what didn't work, and what we might try differently. So you might try an idea like that. You might have a friend who might like to do that with you. Maybe your spouse and you share meal planning um, responsibilities and you could do that together or you might have a sister like I did and um, you could enjoy doing that together. So that's another way that you can get inspired or you might buy one of those beautiful cooking magazines that you see in the checkout line. I don't generally spend money on those because I usually find they're recipes that don't suit what my family likes to eat, which is very basic. <laughs> the kinds of recipes you see in magazines are generally more complicated, have, you know, more ingredients, might be more expensive ingredients in them. So that doesn't tend to suit me as much as I love those. If I were living alone and cooking for myself, I would love to experiment with those. But maybe you have a family that's a little more adventurous in the culinary arts and they would enjoy some fancy recipes that you might try from a, a new cookbook or something that you might pick up at the checkout. And then while you're getting inspired and browsing recipes, you got to make a place to save your recipes. Because something that I think is a tragedy is making a recipe and it's great and it's a hit and everybody loves it and you totally want to make it again. And then you completely forget about it. <laughs> I know I've done this before and I'm always surprised. Like someone will mention something, I'll say, oh yeah, I did make that once and I wonder where that recipe is. So it's really helpful to have a place that you can put all these recipes and maybe even make notes about them. I do this just online for the most part. Most of the recipes that I use, I find online and I save online in a folder for my bookmarks. Um, some people like to have the, the paper recipes and so you can print them out and put them in a, a, a folder. You can make notes on them, what you changed or how much it made and whether or not people liked it, that kind of thing. Um, it's just helpful to have them all in one place. Um, there are a lot of apps out there and different websites. You might have a website like allrecipes.com. If you have a membership there, you can favorite certain recipes in your account and 
So there are lots of different ways that you can kind of save these uh, recipes and ideas. And then once you have them saved, the most important thing you're going to do is make a list. You can make the list of the recipes. You can make the, the days of the week, plan which days you're going to have what. And as you're doing that, make your shopping list at the same time. Now, the way that I do this is I have a number of recipes that I save online in different uh, bookmarks, and I'll find those online and decide which ones I'm going to do that week. And I'll just make a Google Doc. If if you have a, a Google account, you it's a free access to these Google Docs that are really helpful, I find, because I'll make a Google Doc and I'll just have uh, put at the top, you know, the date and, you know, meal plan for whatever week it is. And then I can plan which, which recipes I'm going to make when. I can have a link to the recipe right in the Google Doc. And then I make my shopping list down below the list of the days of the week. And why this is so helpful is I can access Google Docs from anywhere on my phone. So I can go to the store and I can use my phone to shop from for my list. I can make adjustments to it if something changes during the week. So I just find that's a really helpful way to have everything all in one place. And then besides that, I have a a running list of my past recipes that way in my Google Docs. If I'm really feeling like, oh, what was that thing I made once and I, I didn't save it for whatever reason, I can just search, you know, a meal plan or search the recipe name in my Google Docs and I find it and I'll have that link right there. So that's a really helpful way to make a list, but you got to do what works for you. And while we're talking about getting inspired, another list that I make and I keep on my phone is um, right in my phone's notes section. I have an iPhone and right in the section of notes, I keep a list of all the basic meals that we like as a family that I make on a regular basis. I probably have like 30 different things just listed there. I just brainstormed one day, asked uh, the family to help me just remember all the things that we we make and um, in different seasons and some of the grilled recipes and then some of the soups for the winter. And just keeping a list like that on my phone is really helpful because during those times of meal planning, if I'm stuck, I can go to that list and just remind myself of what some of our favorites are. And if ever you do find yourself in a situation where you don't have a plan and you need to run to the store real quick and get something that you could put together for dinner, you have a list that you can access and you can get an idea from there rather than just going and picking up frozen pizza or something worse than that. So that's the uh, that's that step, getting inspired and making your list. And then the fourth recommendation I have is just do it. Now, this is a lot like the commit one, but this is at the end because once you've done it all, you need to just do it. You need to follow through with your list. You need to follow through with your plan. And why is this so hard? It's like all those other things like fitness or diet or relationships. They're all things where we have these long-term goals that require sacrifice and effort work in the short term. And that's what makes it so difficult, I think, sometimes. But I just need to remind ourselves, if you just do it, that little bit of extra energy that you put forth now can pay off big time in terms of your sanity levels, in terms of your family's nutrition, in terms of your budget, pays off big time in the long term. So I understand that it's hard, but we know how much it helps. So we need to do a better job with it. We need to make that commitment and then just do it, follow through. Because if you can get past that, if you can get over that hump in the beginning and get yourself in a routine, you'll find that it gets easier and smoother. Once you're in a rhythm with doing this, it doesn't feel like such an overwhelming big deal anymore. And if you're used to meal plan and you've fallen out of the habit, 
just do it. Get back on that horse. It's painful at first, just like any habit we've gotten out of. You know, if ever you've been in a regular fitness routine and you've fallen out of it, gotten out of the habit and haven't been working out and you do that first workout, you make that first step, that takes so much effort. You know that, but you're doing it because you've got a long-term goal in mind and you know how painful that is in the moment. But keep that in mind as you're going about making a meal plan, that if it's something that's really difficult for you, make that first effort in the beginning. And once you get past that hump, once you get past that initial commitment, that obstacle, that mental block that we sometimes have about it, it's going to get easier. So that's it. You can do this. So those are the ways that I recommend to make meal planning. Maybe not easy, but easier. So you commit, start small, get inspired, and just do it. I hope these ideas are a help to you. Let me know what you think. I'd love your feedback. If you contact me at danielle at daniellebean.com or send me a Facebook message, facebook.com slash daniellebean. Tell me what your struggles are with meal planning. What are your strategies? What works for you? What absolutely does not? What things have you tried and, and realized that they didn't work for you or your family? And what actually has worked? Let me know. Give me your feedback at danielle at daniellebean.com and let me know because I'd love to learn from you. We're in this together. I'm right here with you struggling with meal planning too sometimes. Hey, girlfriends, who are we talking to this week? It's time for an interview. Okay, so it's interview time. And this week, we're talking with the awesome Rachel Balducci, whom I'm sure you know from her blog test, osterhome.net. She's also a co-host of The Gist with me on Catholic TV. She and I go way back to way back when. I love her a lot. And we had a lot of fun chatting. Take a listen. It's a pretty terrific day here at Girlfriends because the pretty terrific Rachel Balducci is here to talk with us. I'm proud to say that Rachel is one of my friends in real life, but she has some professional credentials too. Rachel is a wife and a mother to six children, five boys and one girl. She is the author of How Do You Tuck In a Superhero? And she blogs at testosterhome.net. You'll see a link to that in the show notes this week. Rachel is a weekly newspaper columnist and a co-host of The Gist on Catholic TV. And this year she's trying something new, teaching history, English and writing at her children's private school. Hey, Rachel, welcome to Girlfriends. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, girlfriend. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to have you. And I just love reading through your bio because all those different things that you do. And yet the number one thing I think that stands out to most people is the whole five boys and one girl thing. Yeah, that's that's my claim to fame for sure. <laughs> and the inspiration behind testosterhome.net for sure. Um, for those yes. of you who aren't familiar with Rachel's blog, you'll want to head over there and check that out because she chronicles life with boys and um, has been doing so for a number of years and also through her her column um, in her local newspaper column where she just shares beautifully about life and hilariously sometimes too. So you'll want to check that out. But we got to get to our regular girlfriend's questions. So um, Rachel, I explained to you before you came on that part of what we're doing here um, with the interview section on girlfriends is I'm trying to ask the women that come on the show all the same questions and seeing the variety of their different answers so far has been really inspiring to me and um and, and eye-opening too because it what it what it really highlights for me is that we all face challenges we all have triumphs we all have things that 
underlying as part of our lives as women that make us the same. And then there are beautiful ways in which we're different. So I'm sure that's going to come out in our conversation here. So let's get started. All right. All right. So first of all, can you tell us about a time when you felt like you triumphed? So tell us about a success in your life. When did you first feel a sense of achievement or accomplishment with your work or in your personal life? Sure. Well, it's funny because I feel in a lot of ways like those are two totally different parts of me and yet they're very um, entwined. But, you know, I see myself in these two totally different ways as like my professional life, quote unquote, of being a writer, you know, college career, grad school and figuring out who I was in that vein. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you know, and some of that for me happened um, before I had kids. But a lot of my professional life has unfolded sort of concurrently with children. And yet I find the biggest triumphs, you know, in a totally different way, like in my personal life with having kids, which motherhood is just a much harder gig than any of this other stuff I do because it is so personal, you know? So it was funny because when I first read that question, I automatically thought about, you know, the season as a mom when I started to feel like I wasn't going to drown, which was, (laughs) does that happen? (laughs) I'm still waiting for that. It happens briefly <laughs> and it's kind of a fleeting moment, but it was like, you know, that first time when, so here we talked about, I have five boys and our first four boys came very quickly in a, very much in a row. I mean, not like less than a year apart, which I know people do that too, but we had a new baby boy every 21 months and we did that four times in a row mm-hmm. so that when our fourth son, Augie was born, our oldest was five. And so I just had a lot of years where I felt like there was like a tip of my nostril was above water and that was it, you know? Lucky (laughs) you. Yeah, exactly. So I had arrived. But, you know, I remember when Augie turned three and and that's when we really decided, like, we're going to figure out what this NFP thing is that the church is talking about. Because, like, we kind of did it before, but we never figured out how to make it work, you know, in a way that, like, I had gotten to a point where I was like, I really can't keep doing this like indefinitely. And I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that four is the number for us, but you know, I want to use my wit and intellect to not have another baby right this minute. (laughs) And so it was like, we, we learned NFP. And so for the first time, you know, I didn't have a, I wasn't pregnant when the baby turned one or two. And we actually ended up waiting five and a half years in between. That was not the success. I'm not getting to that. You know, learning (laughs) NFP was not the accomplishment. I feel the letters coming on already. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. That was a great feeling, but no, what for me, that feeling of like having four babies or four little boys and learning how to navigate life, getting a sense of humor about it. And that was the big thing. Not that I had learned how to cook every night, keep the house clean, keep my children out of harm's way, you know, all important things, not all happening for me at one time, but learning how to make it through the day with a sense of humor it was kind of getting into that season where the baby was three when I felt like the concrete block had been lifted off my chest. And, and I've always kind of found that to be true. Like anytime you have a child under the age of three, life is just harder. And I'm not saying it's like, you know, a breeze otherwise, but that's when I would kind of notice the difference there is like, you don't have a tiny baby. You don't have somebody who who you have to bring stuff for everywhere you go. And you know, there was just something fun about it. This feeling of like, I made it through that really hard season, you know, and, um, and we did it. And that, that just felt like a, a nice accomplishment for sure. Right. And it's even, you know, it's more than just you, although you're the one who feels it most intensely, I'm sure. But it's sort of like an accomplishment as a family. At least that's how I've experienced it myself. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Like we totally did that. We rocked that. <laughs> we All those toddlers. That. Imagine. <laughs> it's, it 
is crazy. It was funny. We were looking at some old videos the other day. One of the boys had a flip cam for a while. Oh, yeah. And they, he found a file on the computer and we were watching it. And it was just, you know, it's so sweet. And I'm not one of those who ever, I don't ever want to go back. And I don't want to be somebody that pines for the old days. But mm-hmm. it's certainly fun to look at that. And for me, a lot of times when I look at the pictures of the boys when they were little, it is that feeling like you're saying of like, we made it. How did we survive that? Know. You know? Yeah. And it feels so intense. And I think it's easy once you've gotten to a different place in your life that's challenging in different ways to kind of negate that or not realize what an accomplishment that is, what a thing you kind of survived together. But I know I feel it whenever I I babysit someone's little kids, you know, especially if they have multiple little ones. It all comes back to me, all the good and all the bad. So it it really is something that you you can move on from and not even realize. So And, And to remind other moms who are in the trenches, with that. No, this really is hard. Like, I think we do moms a disservice when those of us with teenagers, I have four teenage boys. It is a uniquely challenging season, but I never want to make young moms be afraid of this season because to be honest, I love this season and it is so fun and it's so much better than when they were little. And I think, (laughs) you know, I remember women and I definitely had one experience of a mom with a bunch of teenagers at that point. And her youngest was the same age as my oldest. So, you know, we were she was in a totally different place. And she said, you know, enjoy it now because it just gets harder and harder. And I was like, well, just like, you know, <laughs> shoot me now, me. <laughs> shoot me now, because I was not enjoying life that much. I mean, right. I was theoretically, but every day was just, you know, you hit the ground running, literally, mm-hmm. you yeah, know, you okay never could wake that. up for the good. Yeah. yeah. I think it's okay to admit that it's hard. That doesn't mean you don't love your life and that you don't love your family and you would want it any other way. And I feel like sometimes we do have that pressure to say, oh, it's all such a blessing every minute yeah. of it, even if you're dying on the inside. So I think it's a really good point to make. And it's really important for us more seasoned moms to remember that when we're talking to younger moms, that it's okay to admit that it's hard. It's okay to yeah. admit it was hard. And there's awesome stuff about every stage of motherhood. Indeed. Yes. All right. So now to get to the dirt, I can't wait to hear your answer (laughs) to this question. Tell us about a mistake you once made, and this could be professionally or personally, and then let us know what you learned from that mistake, Rachel. Okay. Well, right off the bat, I have a, like a funny to me, a lighthearted story. And then the reality of being on the gist and saying on air, using the word chutzpah, I do remember this moment. (laughs) And hearing the cameraman, Charles, off, you know, of course, he's off camera, and I hear him start to chuckle. Well, here I am, a Southern woman who grew up in the South, and I'm familiar with what that word is. Um, I know what it means. I know how to spell it. I have never heard anyone use it in a conversation. And so I go go to use it on air and didn't know you say chutzpah, because I know, I don't know any Jewish people. I don't hear that in conversation. (laughs) So that was like a professional mistake where I was like, oh, okay. Well, you got to give me a few points for, I used it in the correct context. You did. It was in the right context. And you know what? You said it so confidently that you made me question myself. So that's, you know, props for that. that, You know, know, like as a human, the mistake that I've made and I once made, but it's something I tend to do on a regular basis. And I hope one day I'll learn from this is I have a bad tendency to compare my interior with other people's exterior. And I, and I had, that's not a concept mm-hmm. that I read from you that you wrote, you know, where I heard you yep. say that at a talk that we have this tendency and I really have that tendency. And then I have a tendency to, you know, get frustrated with myself for my flaws 
and I'm and I unfortunately gravitate to people who really look like they have it all together. Those are not necessarily my close friends because I'm you know what I mean? Like your sure. close friends are people who are willing to show you that they're not perfect. They show their vulnerabilities. But I'm unfortunately quick to look at people who do put on a good show and I'm not saying they're false people, but they're well put together. Mm -hmm. And then I'm quick to think that that means they have no problems with their children or with their finances or with their spouse. And you know, for some reason I put myself sometimes in competition with that scene and, and then I'm quick, I'm slow to be merciful to those people too, because I feel like they don't need my mercy because they, you know, they have it together so well. And it's something about myself that I, you know, and then I have to, okay, Lord, What's the lesson I learned? Cause, you know, and I have to regroup and remind myself, don't compare. I need to have gratitude and blah, blah, blah. But the reality is, you know, it's like a struggle I have. And, and that's just a small suffering. Um, and it's a silly, it might seem like a silly suffering, but, you know, I know that God in our human nature, he uses these sufferings to draw us closer to him, mm-hmm. which is a blessing that I tell myself when I'm in the midst of it. And hormones sometimes play into that too. You know, you're not feeling, <laughs> what? You're, you're not feeling great about yourself. So you're going to look at somebody who you think has it together a little bit better and, you know, I know feel I mean, what bad is up about with that? The, the hormonal haze that clouds your vision, you get no kind of clarity there, but oh. I, I love that you shared that, though, because, you know, that's something we talked about in an earlier show is that jealousy and competition among women and the the kind of comparisons we do in our own heads that tear us apart. I mean, it makes us feel terrible about ourselves. And like you said, it can wound your relationship with that person. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, I loved what you said about deciding who needs mercy and who doesn't need your mercy that, you know, during this, the Jubilee Year of Mercy, that maybe that's the call that we should be answering because I think we all have a tendency to do that. Just, you know, oh, they've got it all together, you know. They don't, all they need is my judgment, you know? (laughs) They need somebody to bring them back down to earth. Yeah, when's that Jubilee year of judgment coming anyway? (laughs) That'll make me feel really good about myself. It's so true, though. Like that feeling sometimes when people do a good job of their exterior being very shiny is I almost feel like I owe it to them to be judgmental Mm -hmm. because, you know, because they obviously think they're perfect. And the reality is I think there are people who they – they dig deeper in insecurity and put on a better show. Whereas for me, I like sort of shrink, you know? Mm -hmm. And so again, it's that same thing of like, then I'm feeling small in my insecurity and I'm putting myself against somebody who, for whatever reason, you know, does a better job of puffing up probably in the the face of that, you know, in that moment, you know, and that's the thing that I've certainly found through people sharing online and people I know in real life that that kind of thing changes and the dynamic between people changes because one person can be having a weak moment when another person's having a strong moment. And really, ideally, we're meant to be lifting one another up and building one another up in those moments. And except we're doing these other things where we're living this interior life where we've got layer upon layer of (laughs) judgment and questioning people people's motivations and gosh, if we can just get over ourselves. So I love that you shared really honestly about that. That's really helpful. Um, Really great stuff, Rachel. Thanks. Okay. So we're, I just, this all went by so fast. That's all the questions we're going to get in for the regular (laughs) questions, but we get the fun stuff now where we're going to put you on the hot seat for 60 seconds and you're going to answer some of our lightning rounds. So Rachel Balducci, are you ready for 60 seconds of a girlfriend's lightning round? Here we go. I hope so. Awesome. Here we go. What is one thing, Rachel, that we will always find in your purse? My lipstick. (laughs) 
<laughs> Teresa Tomio said the same thing. <laughs> you guys are so predictable. It's perfect. Oh, that's funny. It's a good lipstick, and I recently invested in a very high-quality one, and it is with me always. Okay, brand shout-out. Do it. What is it? It's Yves Saint Laurent, and I pay way too much for it, but it's the perfect shade of red for me, and I love it. All right. All right. Now, what is something that most surprised you about being a mom of boys? Um, You know, what you see is what you get, and I love that about them. Shocking. I should have known. that. And the the bathroom will never smell as good as you want it to, and you got to make peace with that. Oh, great. (laughs) What was the last movie you saw? Was it Thumbs Up or Thumbs Down? I watched Downton Abbey the other day, and I'm still reeling from that. Perfect. (laughs) All right, and then finally, were you a cool chick or a nerd in high school? Oh, I was somewhere in between. I was a girl who had a lot of unrequited love, and I thank the Lord for that every day. He spared me a lot of heartache because if I had had guys paying attention to me, it would have been a disaster. Thank you, God, for sparing me from that. Beautiful. And that's an excellent way to end our lightning round. You survived. Thank you for sharing. My pleasure. <laughs> and so fun. Thank you for chatting here on Girlfriends. It's been awesome connecting in this way. So um, before we have to wrap up, can you just maybe let us know something that you're working on, something you're excited about? What's new with Rachel these days? Well, I am teaching, which is different um, and fun. I love it. But, you know, I would love listeners to say a little prayer for me. I'm in talks with my editor for a second book, and it's been a while. My last book came out a week before Isabel was born. It was all about life with boys, and then I got pregnant while I was writing it and didn't know I was having a girl. So that was fun, and life's been a whirlwind since then. (laughs) um, But, yeah, so I've got this book. I'm in talks with my editor. We know what we want to do. I've just got to kind of get it together. Good for you. Yeah, we'll definitely keep you in prayer. And um, where can folks go to keep up with all that you're doing? Come see me at testosterhome.net, and you'll find links to my Instagram and Twitter and, um, you know, Great. where it's going. All right. So, everybody, check that out. Thanks again, Rachel. We really enjoyed having you here on Girlfriends. I love being here. Take care. I love you lots. All right. Bye-bye now. Bye. I told you you were going to love Rachel. That was a lot of fun talking with her. So thanks again, Rachel, for coming on. And remember to check out her blog at testosterhome.net and you can keep track of all of her goings on and you won't miss when her new book is coming out. So now it's time for the girlfriend shout out. We do this every week. We give a shout out to somebody who's doing something amazing, even something small that's forward progress in the right direction. And this week's shout out is going to go to Melanie Klein and her friend Megan. Melanie sent me a note on Facebook. And in the note, Melanie says, thanks so much for your new podcast. I really look forward to Tuesday mornings now because it's fast becoming my favorite show. Your shout out segment made me realize that I do need to brag about something going on in my life right now. It's been one year since I was diagnosed with postpartum depression. It was so hard for me a year ago to admit what was really going on with me and reach out to get the help I needed. My good friend Megan helped me to find the courage to make an appointment with my doctor, and that was a life-changing decision. A year later, I am doing so well, and I'm so grateful to Megan and my husband Greg for seeing me through something that was harder than anything I've ever had to go through before. Thank God for good girlfriends. Well, thank you for sharing that, Melanie. It takes such courage to admit that we need help sometimes, and I'm so glad that Megan was there to help you do that. I'm sure your family is reaping the benefits of that as well. So this week's girlfriend shout out is for both of you, for Megan for being your support system, and for you, Melanie, for finding the strength you needed to get help and get well. Way to go. You are my hero. This shout out's for you, girlfriend. 
So maybe like Melanie, hearing this segment is making you realize that there's something or someone in your life that deserves a shout out. If that's the case, I'd love to hear about it. You can reach me at Danielle at DanielleBean.com. I'd love it if you gave me some voice feedback. I need some more voices here on the show and yours could be one of them. If you go to DanielleBean.com, you can click the little tab on the side that says leave voice feedback. And that will bring you to a website where you can record right from your computer or even without any special equipment, you can just record a quick voice message. But I also love good old fashioned email or um, contact me at Facebook, facebook.com slash Danielle Bean. You can send me a message just like Melanie did. Let me know the good things going on in your life so that we can celebrate them here together on Girlfriends. Listen up, girlfriends. It's time for the weekly challenge. We got this. So, you know, we do a challenge every week related to our theme, and this week's no different. We're doing a meal planning theme for this week's challenge. So I'm going to keep it simple this week. If you're already a rock star meal planner, you probably didn't even listen to this podcast, okay? You probably could do your own and teach us all of it. So I'm going to assume that this is something you're struggling with. So in the coming week, what I want you to do is, if you're not planning any meals at all at this point in your life, I want you to plan three meals three meals in a row for the coming week, the coming seven days, plan three meals, do it like we said, make a list in whatever way works for you, gather your recipes, whatever way works for you, get to the store, get your ingredients and then follow through. And then let me know how it's going for you. Let me know if you're struggling with it. Let me know if you're having success with that one first small step, planning three meals. You can do this. We got this. We got this. And now before we wrap up this week, I've got to thank some awesome people who are giving me some great reviews on iTunes for the Girlfriends podcast. Let's see, we've got Franciscan Mom, I know who you are. She's been my longtime friend online. She gave me a great review. Um, Homegirl, Nicole, Daedalus, and Gay Marie. I am so thankful for these reviews because what they do is they tell iTunes that this show's getting some traction and then they put the podcast in front of more people. They promote it in various ways to people who are subscribing to podcasts on iTunes. So it's a great way for us to get the word out about girlfriends. So if you have an iTunes account, I would love it if you could just go in and give me a quick rating and or review. It's such a helpful and effective way for us to get the word out about girlfriends. And you know, this isn't fun all by ourselves. We need to get the word out. We need many women's voices here on the Girlfriends podcast. I want you to be among them. And I'd love it if you could help me get the word out and we could get more people involved as well. So thank you for that. And I'm so grateful, as always, that you've chosen to spend some of your time here with me at Girlfriends. It's an honor and it's a privilege I know we're all busy and we have to choose the things that we're going to spend our time on. So I really am honored and I'm humbled by the fact that you spend some time with me here on Girlfriends. Thank you for being here. And so until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a Danielle Bean production. Know your worth. Find your joy.